This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by the Wall Street Journal bestseller, The Vision Driven Leader by Michael Hyatt. Get your copy online and claim your free bonuses today at visiondrivenleader.com. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. Today, we're going to clear up some confusion a lot of business leaders feel around vision, mission, and strategy. Yeah, you know, this gets really confusing. We've been talking a lot about vision right now because of Dad, your new book, The Vision Driven Leader. And while everybody agrees that vision is a good thing, it can be really hard to define. In fact, there's a whole list of related terms out there like mission statement and core values and guiding principles and strategy documents and vision statements. Nobody seems to agree on exactly what the term means. So no wonder we're confused. So if you're confused about all this right now, we've got help for you. Today, we're going to be solving this problem of trying to understand these terms and how they relate to your business. We're going to tell you about four documents you need to guide a healthy business. But before we do that, we got to bring Larry in. Hey, Larry. Hey, Michael. Hi, Megan. Hey, Larry. As I was thinking about this topic for today, you know, we have seen a lot of trends in business kind of come and go and probably a lot of fads. And is this vision thing sort of one of those Silicon Valley <laughs> ads like massage chairs and black turtlenecks and all that? No, I don't think so. You know, these are terms that I've heard for my entire career. And the term vision certainly gained a lot of notice in the 1992 presidential election when George H.W. Bush famously referred to, quote, the vision thing. But great leaders in any endeavor, I don't care what it is, business, politics, military, whatever, have always been guided by a clear vision for the future. So think of John Kennedy calling us to send a man to the moon and back in 1961. That was incredible vision, especially given the fact that the technology didn't exist and there was no way that we could have done it given what we had available at the time. The concept of mission goes back, oh, at least 2,000 years. <laughs> Jesus Jesus gave a mission to his disciples, uh, known as the Great Commission, but having a reason for being is not a uniquely religious idea. I mean, even the U.S. Constitution states a purpose for our country. Do you remember what it is, Larry? This is a little test. Uh, yes, I do, but I'm going to let Megan, I'm going to throw this to Megan, <laughs> uh, because I Talk about like... passing the buck. <laughs> In order to establish a more perfect union, uh, ensure domestic tranquility, uh, and secure the benefits of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, etc. <laughs> Pretty impressed. But I'll tell you why it's important, because every entity, every organization, including countries, need these foundational documents that sort of uh, serve as the philosophical underpinning for everything that they do. And it may seem kind of you know, like non-essential or certainly not important at this particular time, but it but it really is because it's going to guide more than you think, as we'll see as we go through this episode. Well, it's funny because one of the things that I've seen happen in recent years is that leaders have kind of tweaked this language and they use terms like our future focus or our core ideology or our non-negotiables. And the problem is with some of these, some of them are fine, but some of them are not actionable. They sound good, but you can't really go do that thing. You know, for example, right. we are solutions or engineering tomorrow, or we will be the undisputed market leader. No wonder people are confused because how can this guide you if you can't even understand what you would do if it were true? 
Well, I share the confusion I'm sure that many of our listeners have had, but you guys have worked through this, and Michael, you wrote a book about vision. How did you put all this together? Well, pretty much necessity. I've had to run businesses at every level, large and small, and I realized that leadership is based on certain foundational ideas or governing ideas. I mean, you need to know why you're in business. You need to know where you're trying to go. You need to know what kind of people you want to be, and you need to know how to make all of that happen. So the details differ from business to business, but the categories are exactly the same. And I would suggest that even nonprofits need these same four documents. So they're the guiding ideas for any business, and these are the things that are going to lead us, you know, show us the way forward. Well, today we're saying that you can guide your business well if you get a handle on these four documents, which form the foundation of any viable business or organization. So we're going to define these terms clearly and simply so that you can see how to create them for your own business. And of course, there's a lot more help on this subject in Michael's new book, The Vision Driven Leader. So let's get to document number one, which is a vision script. Yeah, in a sense, each of these documents is going to ask an important question about us as organizations. Vision is about where. Where do we want to take the organization? It's about a future destination. And in fact, as a leader, if you're not clear on the destination, where are you leading anyone? You can't lead without a vision. So that's why we use the term vision. It's about picturing the future. It's not about today. It's not about operations, not even about strategy. We'll cover those in a little bit, but it's about the future. Well, I think a lot of us have heard that term vision statement for years and years, but your language on this, Michael, is a little different. You call it a vision script. Yeah, let me define that. So when I say vision script, here's what I mean. It's a written document, three to five pages in length. So it's not, you know, some motto, some brief, clever, pithy thing that you could put on a coffee mug or slap on a t-shirt. No, it's more robust than that. It's a written document, three to five pages in length. It outlines a clear, inspiring, practical, and attractive picture of your organization's future. It describes reality as you see it. So it starts with the leader. This is not something you can delegate or outsource. It describes reality as you see it three to five years from now, and it's written in the present tense as though it's already happened. Dad, I think people get this confused sometimes with a motto. You know, they they kind of think that this like vision statement idea is the same as this vision script that you're talking about. And so then they think about mottos that they know, like Nike's just do it or McDonald's, I'm loving it or melt in your mouth, not in your hand that, you know, is Eminem's motto. I think that um, the problem with those is they're really about branding and not leading. Totally. They don't help you decide where to go next. I mean, they're really for external purposes, not internal purposes. And what you're really talking about is something that guides the internal direction of the company. Yeah. If you think of it like this, before we embark on a journey, we've got to be clear and we have to be aligned around the destination. So one of the things, Megan, you know, because you're part of our family that we do usually every fall is we go to the beach, we go to the Rosemary Beach area of the panhandle of uh, Florida and so as a family, our extended family, we agree on that destination. So where we're going, nobody's in doubt about that. When we started the journey, we know exactly where it's going to end up. And that's a pretty robust picture in our mind because we, in this particular case, we've been there before. But in an organization's life, you got to be clear about the destination. How you get there is more about strategy, which we're going to talk about in a moment. 
And sometimes that can vary depending on conditions on the ground. So sometimes when we go to Rosemary Beach, there may be a traffic challenge, you know, road work. There may be a big wreck. There may be weather, variety of things that require us to change strategy, but the destination remains the same. And you really can't go anywhere. You certainly can't take anybody with you unless you're clear first on the destination. So the vision script is about where. It's where you're going as a company or organization. It points to the future. And as I mentioned, there's a lot more detail on this vision process in The Vision Driven Leader. There is. And I should point out that uh, the book is now a Wall Street Journal bestseller. We've got $196 worth of free bonuses for anybody who buys the book right now. So there's the video, Sharing Your Vision with Your Team, which I did with Megan. That'll walk you through everything you need to know about rolling out your vision. Plus, you'll get the 2020 Vision Kit, which is an ebook with tips to give you an unobstructed view of your vision for 2020, plus a liberating truths worksheet to help you put that into practice. But here's the best part. When you buy 10 or more copies, and you're going to want this for your team, believe me, it gives you a common language. You want everybody aligned around this process. When you buy 10 or more copies, you get all that plus the half-day vision intensive, which is a recording that I did sharing my powerful vision training workshop. And all that's available. All you have to do is buy the book from your favorite bookseller, Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, your favorite local bookseller, whomever. Bring the receipt to visiondrivenleader.com, turn in the number, and you'll be able to claim these bonuses for free. Dad, I want to just say one thing about that. First of all, those bonuses are awesome. But if you're listening to this and you're thinking, man, it feels really overwhelming to try to think about how to create a vision script. I haven't done that before. And, you know, maybe that's only for people who are really, really seasoned leaders or who are great writers. One of the things that's so great about the vision-driven leader in this vision scripting process is that it's like paint by numbers. Um, You really, I think, do a great job of making this accessible and uh, fail-proof for people so that anybody, no matter what your experience is or how good of writer you think you are or you know how inspirational you think you are this is something that anybody can do with the process that you outline in the vision driven leader book well i've now taken thousands of business owners nonprofit leaders people in every kind of uh, industry through this through the process it really does work because like you said i've really deconstructed it make it super simple and easy to use because i think most of us labor under the assumption that to be visionary we've got to be charismatic We've got to have a special personality type or we've got just to be super smart, clairvoyant even, but we don't. This is for mere mortals. This is for the average (laughs) person that knows they need a vision script and they don't know how to do it. So this is going to walk you through the process. So that's document number one that you need to successfully operate your business. That's a vision script. Document number two, a mission statement. Well, mission is really about why. Why do you get out of bed every morning? Why do you exist? It's about your purpose. For example, you might know about Amazon. Their mission is to build a place where people can come to find and discover anything they might want to buy online. Well, speaking as a um, (laughs) voracious Amazon consumer, I can say that they are living their mission out. Google's, for example, is organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. Walt Disney is, we create happiness by providing the finest in entertainment for people of all ages everywhere. And eBay's, at eBay, our mission is to provide a global online marketplace where practically anyone can trade practically anything, enabling economic opportunity around the world. I love that one. I do too. I mean, these are great and they're inspiring and they really articulate the why for these organizations. 
So years ago, what I did was I took some of the best mission statements out there and I basically said, what do these all have in common? And some of them are missing some elements, even some of the examples you give, Megan, are missing some of the elements here. But I found the best way to construct the mission statement is to answer four questions. First of all, who are you as a business entity? I'm going to give you a formula here in a minute that's just almost fill in the blank. Who are you as a business entity? You know, are you a law firm? Are you a, a military organization? Are you a retailer? What, what are you? What is your business identity? Second question is really about who do you serve? Who do you serve? What's your target market? You know, who are the people? And particularly, what is the problem that they have that you're trying to solve? And then what's your unique solution? In other words, what do you bring to the table that solves the problem that you articulated in that second part of the mission statement. And then finally, what's your promise transformation? Here's the thing, Meg, and I know you know this, Larry, you know this too, but people don't buy solutions, they buy transformations. They're buying a transformation they think they're gonna get by means of the product or the service that you offer. So it's important to spell out that promise transformation because in essence, that's what you're selling. So let me give you an example. So the first question is, who are we as a business? What's our business identity? So at Michael Hyde Company, we say this, Michael Hyde and Company is a leadership development company. So our mission is to glorify God by helping overwhelmed, successful leaders get the focus they need to win at work and succeed at life. So all four parts of those are answered here in this mission statement. First of all, we're a leadership development company. That's our business identity. Who's our target market? Overwhelmed, successful leaders. So we've identified the target, but we've also identified the problem they have, which is overwhelm. That's the people we best serve. Probably some of you listening to this. Then we get to this part, get the focus they need. That's our unique solution. We're all about the focus. We have the Full Focus Planner. I wrote a book called Free to Focus. We're all about helping people get the focus they need. Why? What's the transformation? What difference does that make? The focus they need, and here's the promise transformation, to win at work and succeed at life. So we're after what we affectionately call the double win, work-life balance, the kind of life that, that most of us are seeking to, to achieve. Megan, it strikes me that the corporate mission statement that you latched onto, which was from eBay, is the one I think of the four that had the most explicit transformation, mm -hmm. which was enabling economic opportunity around the world, which is powerful. It really is powerful. I have not read that before. And when I read it, I was like, yeah, I, I liked eBay before, but now I really like them, you know, to understand like what their mission is, not just what they do, but what their mission is in the world, what they're trying to accomplish, you know, beyond uh, or through what they do, which is pretty exciting. Kind of like for us, you know, the double win. What's that transformation? We've had so many of our clients say to us when they go through this mission statement process, when they answer these four questions, it gives them extraordinary clarity about who they are as an organization. For the first time, they've had to dial in, who is it that we're serving? And by the way, what is our unique solution? What is the thing that, that really we have to offer to the world? And what is that, that promised transformation? That, that can take a lot of thought. I mean, this, this sounds simple. We're talking about it here in a few minutes, but this literally can take you know a couple hours, maybe half a day, but it's a process of coming up with this clarity where you really think through possibilities, try them on, see if it works. If they don't, then you try on something else, have a conversation with your leadership team. But this is important to get clarity around this as well. 
You know, one of the things we should probably say, the reason that these four documents are so essential is because they serve as a filter for you. They serve as a compass and a filter. You know, they're directional in that they're, you know, like a compass, but they also serve as a filter and they they help you keep things that are not in alignment with either your mission or your values or the other things that we're going to talk about, you know, coming up here. Um, they they help you to, to not do things that you need to not do that would take you off track, you know, and I think that's really important because the more successful you become, the more, quote unquote, good opportunities are going to come your way. And you can just be all over the map where nobody internally or externally knows what you stand for. Well, again, they kind of define the boundaries. It's Mm -hmm. much like the Constitution. Larry was quoting or attempting to quote from that earlier. But to have that foundational document kind of demarks the playing field, what's inbounds, what's out of bounds, so that you can play a game and it can be rewarding, right? And so the game of business is really important, but it's not very much fun if you don't have rules or don't have uh, boundaries so that you know exactly where the game has to happen. Hey, everybody. Mike Boyer here with a shout out to Amber Joy, who left this five-star review of the podcast. She writes, I get something out of every episode that I listen to. The topics are always relevant in elevating your business and life. I love how they bring vulnerability, yet bring the practical advice to keep moving forward. Thanks for the time you contribute to better our lives. And you are welcome, Amber Joy. It was great to hear your feedback. And if you haven't reviewed the podcast yet, please do so right now. If you need help, click the Rate and Review podcast link at lead2.win. Good, bad, or indifferent, we'd love to hear what you think. Now, back to the show. So document number one that you need to operate your business successfully is a vision script. Document number two, a mission statement. And that brings us to document number three, a strategic plan. So vision asks the question, where? Mission asks the question, why? And a strategic plan asks the question, how? How do we get from where we are right now to where we want to go. What direction do we want to go on? It's all about the path. And frankly, this is the part that changes the most often. And a little bit like that trip to Florida example that I just gave a moment ago, depending on conditions on the ground, your strategy can shift. Your vision shouldn't uh, change very often, though you want to tweak it from year to year. Your mission shouldn't change very often, though that is also something you can revisit and tweak as you get greater clarity. Strategy is something that you want to use for as long as it works, but once it stops working, you don't just decide to go to a different destination. You know, I mean, if we encounter you know, road work, or if we encounter weather on the way to our vacation paradise in the panhandle of Florida, we don't just give up on that and say, oh, I guess it's not meant to be. Let's pick a different destination. No, we figure out another path. And that's exactly what you have to do with a strategy document. It's important that we not ask this question about how too early. And having this distinction between vision and strategy and mission is going to be important to you as you lead these conversations inside your organization. Because immediately as you begin to paint a picture of the future, people are going to say, well, but how? And it's not the time. You can short circuit the process. You can sabotage your own future by asking the question, how, too early. Because the truth is, until you get clarity about the destination, the how is at best irrelevant But the worst case, it'll derail you because you can't see the how, you think the vision's not possible, and you give up on it before you start. So you want to get clarity about that vision. So if somebody brings up the question, well, but 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 how? How are we going to do that? We don't have the resources, whatever. Then you've got to say, well, we're going to get to strategy a little bit later. We're going to talk about a strategic plan later. Until we have clarity around the vision, until we have a vision script, then strategy is really not relevant. But we will get to that question shortly. 
I think as a leader, this really becomes a discipline for you, you know, and it and it becomes something that you help your team grow in as a leadership discipline as well. Uh, it takes a lot of restraint, especially for more inexperienced, maybe more hesitant leaders to not go immediately to the how. Um, and some people are just kind of wired in that way. You know, they just mm-hmm. think uh, in terms of how are we going to get there and and all that. But you're really asking people to stay in that place of kind of suspended disbelief so that they're able to envision the future, something that does not exist yet, um, before they're jumping to how we're going to get there. And I think as a leader, you need to be prepared for the challenge that you're going to encounter when you kind of go into that conversation so that you can prepare people, sort of head off that objection at the pass, because it will come up in almost every case. You know, Michael, uh, a few moments ago, you referenced that uh, these documents are important for nonprofits or other organizations as well. And my experience, at least, is that this is a point at which church leaders tend to conflate strategy and either vision or mission. And with any nonprofit, I think that's a temptation to think that doing the things we do is why we're here, rather than producing the transformation that is a part of our vision. Frankly, I find that in the church, at least the leaders I work with are fairly visionary, but they get derailed by the people on their board, or maybe it's their lay leadership or whatever the next level of leadership under them is, because those people are practical. You know, they start asking the question, how, and if you're not careful, you get sucked into that conversation too early. And the thing you got to do as a leader is you got to resist that conversation until you get clarity about the destination. So the way to respond to that, if I was a pastor and I had somebody on my board just kind of shake their head and say, hey, you know, we tried that before, or we don't have enough resources, or have you looked at our bank account lately? Or they ask all those kind of questions about how, I'd say, hey, look, those are legitimate concerns. We're going to talk about strategy. We're going to answer the question how a little bit later, but until we get clarity around the destination, it's not a, it's not a conversation I'm ready to have yet. So you got to kind of fence it off, put boundaries around it, promise people that you get to it. Don't shame them because it is an important question. It's just too early. It's a question of timing. That's all. I think that's really right, Dad. And it's also why it's a mistake to jump to strategy too quickly. Because while tactics are vitally important, they have to serve us and not the other way around. You know, unless they're founded or kind of derived from a clear vision, then strategy can take you all over the place. I mean, you can be really strategic and get to a destination that you don't, you do not want to go to, right? So it's really important that you use strategy to help you get to the place that you've already said you want to go and not the other way around. The other thing here is that strategy is not sacred. I mean, you kind of talked about this a little bit already, but you may have to change strategy over and over and over again to realize your vision. In fact, we can pretty much guarantee that that's going to happen. So I think sometimes people get this backwards. They get really uh, flexible with their vision. You know, they don't hold those boundaries very tightly and they get really rigid on their strategy and they just keep trying the same thing over and over and over. They keep, you know, trying to go the same way to Florida and when they hit the roadblock, they just turn around, go back to the start and they do it again. But you're not going to make progress that way. You've really got to hold your strategy loosely. You can only see so far at the beginning when you create your strategic plan, for example, prior to the beginning of a year, like most of us do, you know, you're doing your best to see into the future, to see how you're going to get to the the point of your vision, you know, that ends at the end of that year. But it's going to change along the way. And what you need to really stay fixed on is that vision so that you're always asking yourself the question, is this strategy moving closer or further away from my vision? And you can evaluate it in that way. 
So far, we've talked about three of the four documents that you need to guide your business, a vision script, a mission statement, and a strategic plan. Now let's get to the fourth one, which is core values. I think this one might be my favorite uh, because I feel like it has so much impact on our daily life and our daily work. Values are about who. Who are we as we take this journey? Who are we becoming along the way? It's about our character and our culture and our behavior. And core values really guide you in a number of ways. First of all, they define culture. This is a statement about how you do your work. They're also a filter for recruiting. So we really focus intently on recruiting people who are in alignment with our core values. And in fact, one of the last stages of our interview process involves kind of a a core value or a values alignment gut check as a part of our our interview process, because we want to make sure that as we're talking with someone, they're not out of alignment with our values. That's going to create friction later on. It's going to really show up in performance. We're just not operating from kind of the same rule book. And we know that's going to be a problem. And conversely, when people are in alignment with our core values, man, there's almost nowhere you can't go together. They're also a measure of integrity. We want our choices to match our values. So our our behaviors should be in alignment with our values. And I have had many occasions where in our office, I can look out into kind of our uh, middle area of our office, and I can see eight posters up on our wall. We'll talk a little bit about this, uh, what these are in a minute, but with each of our core values on them. And I've been in situations where I was making a decision, and I could see one of those core values and know that that became a filter for the decision that I was about to make because I didn't want to be out of alignment with our values, and I wanted my behavior and my decision-making to match the values that we had established as a company. Okay, so when you're stating these values, they really should be simple and to the extent that you can, be memorable. Now, you don't have to be super clever, but they need to be memorable. These need to be, again, something that guides your behavior. So there's kind of a debate about whether they should be aspirational or they should be descriptive. So in Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, he argues for the fact that they should be descriptive. In other words, it would be disingenuous to have a value that wasn't how you are. I disagree with that. And here's why. I think value should be about who you're becoming. And that's always aspirational. I hope I'm not the same person today that I was a decade ago. I'm in the process of becoming and I'm becoming something other than what I am right now. So if some of these are not exactly true to your organization right now, but you aspire for them to be uh, true, they kind of serve almost like a, a goal does, a future state that you want to achieve and you want to work towards. I think that's a really interesting point, Dad, and I've certainly heard it explained the the opposite way, of course, like most of us have. One of the things, though, I wonder about that is how do you avoid kind of like a perspective of cynicism or an attitude of cynicism from your team? You know, if, if you say that integrity, for example, is a value for you, but they they know that you're not acting with integrity and, you know, you say that you want that, but your behavior isn't in alignment with that. How do you address that issue or just the gap between where you are and where you want to be? Yeah, I think you just got to be totally honest. You got to be self-aware to know if you're not living out that value. And And by the way, None of us, even when they're descriptive, are living out these values 100% of the time. So in a sense, any value is going to be aspirational, but I think you got to be totally honest. You know, for me to stand up as the CEO at Michael Hyde and Company and say, we're committed to unyielding integrity, there's times that I may exaggerate something 
round up the numbers, try to appear better than we are. I want you guys to call me on it because I'm committed to growing in the area of unyielding integrity. So in that sense, I think they can be aspirational. So really what the imperative, I think, for you then as a leader is to make sure you're constantly talking about how you're moving toward the realization of that aspiration. So you're talking about how you're making decisions as you move into the future that are in alignment with those values or how, you know, people's daily choices and behavior are are not in alignment with the values. So you're not just kind of putting it up on the shelf. You're really working actively toward it all the time. Yeah. So in a sense, it's not that different from vision because in a vision script, you're describing a future state that's not reality yet, but you're moving toward it. So you stated the present tense and it'd be easy for somebody just listening in to think, man, are these people like self-deceived? You know, they've, they've come up with this, this vision script that talks about how great they are and all these things they've accomplished, but I don't see any of that yet. No, because it hasn't come in, into being yet, but we've articulated the destination. So in a sense, the values describe who we are and who we're becoming, the destination from a character or culture perspective of what we want to be as an organization. Can I give you two examples? Yeah. Okay. So these are from the Michael Hyatt and Company core values. So, so one is unyielding integrity. So we find that if we have a descriptive word, you know, an adjective before that noun, it's helpful to give it some nuance and granularity that, that helps people grasp it. So unyielding integrity. And then we describe the behavior. So it's not just identifying the value because that's not going to be that helpful. People can pour into it their own meaning. So what we try to do is to give a statement that also describes the behavior. So in this case, we say unyielding integrity. We tell the truth, do what's right, and honor our commitments, even when it's expensive, inconvenient, or embarrassing. Here's another one, relentless wow. We engineer transformational products, services, and experiences with envy-inspiring levels of excellence and attention to detail. So again, we're describing that value as it gets fleshed out in terms of our behavior. Well, like I said at the beginning, what I love about this is it's so actionable. I, you know, I was saying this a minute ago, I've sat in our conference room and I can see the poster that says Unyielding Integrity from that conference room. And I've made decisions that I didn't want to make, but that were uh, in alignment with doing what's right and honoring our commitments, et cetera, et cetera, that I probably wouldn't have made or not so easily without the clarity that comes from this description that's attached to the value around the behavior. You know, Megan, those uh, core values, not just because they're on the poster, but because uh, we actually talk about them and put them into use, they filter down. So mm -hmm. that comes down to a staff level. When you talk about relentless wow, and you have to decide whether to take one more pass at this document or send it out as it is, uh, that core value guides what you do. It really works. I think that's a good point, just kind of a pro tip, you know, on leadership here. It's not okay to just have these on the wall. You've got to talk about them and really draw attention to them when you see people living them out. For example, we actually give awards to our team every year for people who embody these values, which is so much fun because then they kind of become, uh, you know, the, the 3D poster child of what that behavior looks like that people can point to all year long. Um, so we want to notice this. We want to call it out as leaders when we're making decisions. This is why, you know, I'm making this decision because we are committed to unyielding integrity, for example or we're committed to relentless wow. Um, and that helps people start to understand what kind of the, the you know, flesh and, and uh, skin look like on the bones of these values so they can picture it and then do that for themselves. Good point. So today we've learned that you can guide your business well if you get a handle on the four documents that form the foundation 
of any healthy organization. Document number one is a vision script, and that tells you where you're headed. Document number two, a mission statement, which tells you what you do. Document three, a strategic plan, which is about how you will get to your destination. And document four, core values, which say who you are and who you're becoming along the way. Final thoughts today, Michael, Megan. Well, Dad, you talk about in The Vision Driven Leader the difference between managers and leaders. And when I was thinking about this, I thought these four documents really are the difference between a leader and a manager. If you're someone who has these four documents, you've taken the time to think through them, you've really done the hard work of kind of chiseling out um, these different uh, perspectives, you're in a position to lead in a way that a manager never could. You know, a manager is someone who's really executing on these things on, uh, you know, on the leader's behalf. But a leader is someone who is really hewing these things out of a rock um, into the future. And I, I think that um, the great thing is these are all things that anybody can do. You know, they're attainable. They're not some kind of wizardry. You know, anybody uh, can create these documents. And I think it really starts with a vision script. And I love that you've outlined that process so clearly for us in the vision leader book. Well, thank you. You know, as I was thinking about this, I thought probably 2% of the organizations that I've coached initially have these documents in place. Very, very rare. And I think the reason for that is because these are really important foundational documents, but they're not urgent. Too often leaders and managers both get busy responding or reacting to the urgent things at hand, but because they don't have these foundational documents in place, they end up reinventing the wheel, making bad decisions, not having a way to filter either the opportunities that they pursue or the distractions they reject or the people they hire or the people they don't hire. There's no basis for it. They're making it up as they go. But taking a little extra time to get these in place can guide you in powerful ways that will shape your organization for decades to come. Michael and Megan, I'd like to thank you for putting some real order around some loose concepts that a lot of people struggle with. I think it's going to bring a lot of clarity and multiply the impact of a lot of leaders. Well, thank you, Larry. Thank you, Megan. And thank all of you for joining us. We'll see you right here next week. Until then, lead to win. This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by the Wall Street Journal bestseller, The Vision Driven Leader by Michael Hyatt. Get your copy online and claim your free bonuses today at visiondrivenleader.com.